You are listening to the sermon stream of the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com sermons. As we read now tonight from Galatians 2, uh, we'll start in verse 15 where Paul said, and quoting I think the false argument of the Judaizers who had been troubling the Galatian brethren, He said, we are Jews by nature and not sinners from among the Gentiles. Well, I think that's their position. Paul states it for them. But he says, nevertheless, we know that a man is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So even if we grant these guys their their wrong position, that we're Jews and we're not Gentiles, he said, We still, if we live like Jews, have but only the law as Jews, and that doesn't save. So we need the faith that is in Christ. This has been Paul's theme from the beginning. It is what he has stressed from the start of the book. Going back to chapter 1, verse 1. But he says that he was an apostle, not by the will or agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So God gave him this message. God gave him the power to preach it. God gave him the apostleship and authority to do it. And it's the same God who raised Jesus from the dead. Speaking of him and his son in verse 4, who gave himself for our sins, that he might rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of God. And so it's God's will, it's God's choice that made him an apostle, and it's this gospel alone that saves from the present evil age. This is God's will. So in chapter two, uh, Paul lays out about these brethren who have come now to Galatia. He said in his dealing with them in verse five, he did not yield in subjection to them even for an hour that the truth of the gospel might remain with you. And he said that these folks in verse 14, that they, uh, who, Uh, were living back in these Jewish ways. Uh, They were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel. And so he rebuked even Peter, the apostle, to his face when he started to live that way again. So we're going to have the truth of the gospel. That's chapter 2, verse 5. And we're going to make sure we're straightforward with it in verse 14. And that's the context that leads us now to verse 15. Again, that we are Jews by nature, not sinners from among the Gentiles. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we who have believed in Christ Jesus, so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law no flesh will be justified. But if, while seeking to be justified in Christ, we ourselves also have been found sinners, is Christ then a minister of sin? May it never be. For if I rebuild what I once destroyed, I prove myself a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God." I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith 
in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me, I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. Here's our title from verse 21. I do not nullify the grace of God. So there we see the great danger of going back to the law after having found Christ by faith and by grace that we would, in effect, nullify God's grace. It's God's grace in which we stand. It's God's grace in which we hope. It's that grace of God presented through Jesus Christ, which is the heart of the gospel. And Paul said, I will not and I do not nullify that. So we start We start with the false hope uh, that those uh, Judaizing teachers were presenting uh, when uh, those people who were not straightforward with the gospel went back and lived in the old Jewish ways. And Paul said, you're not being straightforward about that. Uh, he quoted uh, one of their statements, it appears, in verse 15, when he said, we're Jews by nature, not sinners from among the Gentiles. Well, this Jew by nature seems to, you know, anytime somebody says, well, I'm not one of those people, that's never a compliment, is it? I'm not one of those people. I'm not one of those Gentiles, they would say. I don't live like that. I know better. God's taught me better. I've got the law. I've got the teaching of Moses. I know how to live better than that. Well, maybe uh, we could say that uh, it was an advantage to be a Jew. I think the Apostle Paul would have said that. It's an advantage to be a Jew. They, he, they had the law. They had the, uh, the prophets to teach them. Uh, they had uh, the relationship with God, uh, which all these things were then, uh, of course, to, to lead them to Christ and to help them out. But the Apostle Paul will say, if we go read the book of Romans, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So whatever advantages it was to be a Jew did not include automatic salvation. didn't include salvation at all because no one was going to be justified by the law. So they had this false hope. They had this false salvation. They had this false confidence. Uh, they had this uh, thing by which they felt uh, and held themselves to be superior to others. Paul said that was false and baseless. So verse 16, it's faith. It's not works of the law that save. And I don't know if we could say it any more often or any more ways, any more permutations of how to get this across than verse 16. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. So you're not justified by the works of the law, but you're justified by faith in Christ. So we believed in Christ. And so we believed into salvation. We were saved in Christ. He said that we may be justified by faith in Christ. So justification is by faith. We believed justification is by faith. That's what verse 16 says. And not, again, the works of the law. And then he goes ahead and says, it wasn't just we who were missing out on justification by the law, but everybody was because it doesn't have it in it. It's not in the system. You can't do the law good enough for justification since by works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. So their false hope was in the law. Their false hope was in the sacraments uh, and rituals and various regulations of the law, all those things that, that, that were done, all the restrictions that they kept, 
Of course, it probably didn't keep them as good and with the right spirit as they should have anyway. But even if they'd done it as good as you could, salvation is not, justification is not by works of the law. And so verse 16 says that is in as many ways and as clear as you can possibly make it. And so later, uh, when Paul would write the book of Romans, and that is, again, eight or nine or ten years down the line, he'll expand upon that when he'll say such things as Romans 3.20. He said, by the works of the law, no flesh is justified in his sight, but instead, through the law comes the knowledge of sin. So all that law and all those restrictions should have just uh, uh, driven home to you the fact that you didn't keep this and you were, you were condemned. Uh, the more uh, there were laws, the more things there were to break. And knowing human nature and knowing uh, our own experience and experience of our neighbors as we do, if we have more laws to break, what do we do? We break more laws. Have you seen our tax code? Or have you seen the things, have you seen the book of regulations just to drive your car down the street? Uh, have you seen uh, uh, the codes for any number of different things that fall under the tender mercies of the federal government or the state government or the county government or just municipal zoning codes? Just how many laws are there to break? And so uh, the more law, the more breaking we have, and we, we do it both intentionally and unintentionally. Uh, we do it when we just don't want to be bothered. Uh, we do it when we didn't know. Oh, I'm sorry, officer. I didn't know that was a law. Or I'm sorry, Mr. Code Enforcement Guy. Or I'm sorry, Mr. IRS Collection Agent. I did not know that was a law. And what do they always say? Well, you should have. Who could possibly know all that? Well, that's, that's how law works. And that's how, to some degree, the law of God, though approachable and knowable, especially compared to laws of men, that's how it operated. When we didn't want to, when we didn't think about it, uh, when we didn't know about it, uh, when uh, we were just absolutely rebellious, or when we made a good faith effort as well, we still would find ourselves contrary to law. And law does not forgive. Mercy forgives, but law does not. And so justification is never by the law, and particularly the great justification of our souls before God. And so man is not justified by the works of the law. I broke the law. Well, what do I do now? Well, you should keep it as good as you can and faithful as you can from here on out. You should, and, and a lot of folks do and try. But that doesn't excuse what you did before. So we need a merciful system. Oh, we need a gracious system to take care of that. So Romans 5.1, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so this was God's way of dealing with this. You don't get right by the law by just following it from here on out. I forgot to pay my taxes in 2014. Does that mean if I paid them well in 2015, 16, 17, and 18, 2014 goes away? No, it doesn't. I, I sped. Uh, does that, does that uh, mean that because I kept the law for the rest of my trip, the fact that I drove for the first hour at 80 miles an hour, that's now acceptable? No, no, it does not. Now, in the ways of men, the way we deal with this is we either just forget about it uh, or nobody saw us 
or the statute of limitations runs out. That's the about as merciful as law of men can be. But with God, when does the statute of limitations of sin run out? Or when is it just ignored? Or when did nobody see it? Maybe I was driving real fast, but there's nobody on the road with me. Certainly there was no police. Does that, well, by, by uh, civil law, I probably full well got away with it. But in the eyes of God, uh, can things be done just because, well, nobody saw? No, because God saw. And so we don't have a system of just forgetting or, or not reporting. That's not how sin's dealt with. Sin is dealt with more thoroughly, more honestly, more graciously in Christ Jesus. So even we who believed in Christ Jesus may be justified by faith in Christ. So there's a full record of all the sins. They don't expire. They're not forgotten. They don't magically go away. But they are purposely and fully forgiven to those who are faithful in Christ. We believed in Christ. So we're justified in Christ. But not, Paul continues, the works of the law. You can't work sin off. You just can't. You don't. You can't. You can have it forgiven, but you can't work it off. Galatians 3.21, the next chapter when we get there, will tell us that the law could not impart life. If it could have, righteousness would then have been from the law. But instead, because it cannot impart life but can only condemn and give death, it is considered by Hebrews 7 and verse 8. It is the former commandment which was weak and useless since Hebrews 7, 9, it made nothing perfect. But there is in Christ now, that verse continues on, the better hope. Or Hebrews 9 again, the same thing, that under the law, both gifts and sacrifices were offered, which cannot make the worshiper perfect in conscience. Since they only deal with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body, imposed until the time of Reformation. So at the time of Reformation, the time of Christ, the time of faith, the time when sin is fully dealt with in a different way, not in a system of law, but in a system of faith by God's gracious and merciful offer of full forgiveness in Christ. And of course, the reason for that is, uh, as we saw all the way back in chapter 1, verse 4, because he gave himself for our sins. Our passages will talk about him uh, paying the price for sin, redeeming us from sin, being the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He has taken sin for us. He became sin on our behalf. And so then uh, righteously, fully, faithfully, completely, sin is taken care of. So they had a false hope. They had this hope in the law. And they told Christians to go back to it and under it. And the Apostle Paul says, no. It didn't work then, and it won't work now. It's even worse when you find out what Christ offers, that you want to go back to the law and get that. So no, not the false hope, but the true hope, the faith that saves, not the work of the law. Well, then in verse 17 and verse 18, we find a false charge. And this is a charge that was made here. Uh, it's also going to be made and brought up in the book of Romans. This idea that, well, when you tell people that they're going to be fully and graciously and mercifully forgiven of their sins and counted as innocent, because we think about this justified, uh, justified is a, a legal term. A justification 
is the exact opposite of condemnation. And so you're counted as just. You're counted as not condemned by faith in Christ. You got a lot of people who say, well, if you, if you just get rid of sin that easily, people will just sin, right? In Romans 6, uh, people say uh, that are we to continue in sin that grace may abound or grace may increase. And what does Paul say? No. No, because we've died to sin. How can we live in it? And so this salvation, this justification in Christ, what we find is well, later explanation, it changes our very relationship to sin. And so, no, we can't sin because we've died to sin, so we've been made alive to Christ. We repented of sin. We were set free from its power in Christ. But this false charge labeled against those who teach faith and grace is <coughs> that they're justifying sin. So, verse 17, but if while seeking to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have also been found sinners, is Christ then a minister of sin? For if I rebuild what I once destroyed, I prove myself to be a transgressor. So here's this set up. He says, for if while seeking to be justified in Christ, so those of us who are trying to live by faith, put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and receive the justification that comes by faith in him, if we then ourselves are found to be sinners. So if you can charge us with sin, well, what have you done? Have you shown that Christ is a minister, a servant, a bringer of sin? No, that can't be. He said, what would really make that charge true, what would really make me a transgressor is if I turn my back on that. For if I rebuild what I once destroyed, I would prove to be a transgressor. He said, that's where the real sin would be. The real sin is if I do what you fellas say. If I went back to the law, that would be the real sin. But let's think about this a little bit more in verse 17 before we get back to that. For if while seeking to be justified in Christ. So that's what we all seek, isn't it? Isn't that why one is a Christian? Why would one be a Christian except that they're seeking to be justified in Christ? Well, some are Christians because that's where they have the good casseroles. Right? There's a nice group of people who, you know, they, they, have a, they have a pleasant service, and then afterwards there's a potluck, and there's something for the kids, and maybe there's a Christian school, or uh, they're a Christian because grandma was. You know, we're, as cultural pressures, as uh, cultures change today, and as our society changes, we're seeing a, a large abandonment of the faith by many, many people. And the people who are there because grandma was, and the people who are there because the casseroles are good, and the people who are there is because there's some activities for the kids, those are the ones who are, are leaving the churches. It's the churches where that was the, you know, the, the reason for being. That was the thing, that was the, you know, kind of the tie that binds. The tie that binds, uh, you know, uh, came on a, a chinette plate uh, with some uh, plastic silverware. That's the kind of people that we're losing in the church and the church in America, uh, churches generally are losing in droves. 
But the ones who know that they're here to be justified by faith in Christ, you know, those type, uh, the places that teach that, they're not losing near so many, if any at all. They're the churches that are growing. And so this is what we're trying. This is the real seeking. This is the real effort of faith. This is the real struggle of mine to be faithful in Christ for justification. So now what can happen if you find among those people sin? Well, these Judaizers are going to say, well, it's not just that you're going to find it. You're going to find it in abundance. You're going to find it there uh, flowering and running wild because you don't have the law to hem these folks in. And there are people who live that way. What happens if you uh, loosen the laws? And why, why does civil government add law instead of take laws away? Well, I mean, when was the last time they lightened the regulations on anything? Why is it always, why is uh, adding laws and regulations, why is it always a one-way ratchet? Why does it only go one direction and not the other? Because people are afraid to let people do things without restriction. We think the way to get people to behave is to add more restriction. These people thought that was necessary here morally. That among the churches, in order to get the people to behave, we needed to have more restriction. And when you tell them they're saved by grace through faith, and when you tell them that they're counted as the opposite of condemned, but as justified and set free, the Jews were always afraid these people are going to run morally amok. Now, when you have a people with no faith, when you have a people with no faith, what happens when they don't have good sound oversight? Well, the Bible tells us they run amok. What happens when Moses was up on the mountain 40 days getting the law of Moses? What happened down in the camp? It didn't take them long to set up a golden calf and start dancing and fornicating around that, did it? And when they went into the promised land, and on their honor, they all swore, Joshua says, hey, as for me and my house, when we get to this new land, we're going to serve the Lord. And all the people said what? Oh, we swear we're going to do that too. And they went out there to their own houses, and they went out there in their own land. What happened in the book of Judges? Everybody did what was right in their own eye, and chaos, moral chaos, and civil chaos ensued. And so doesn't that teach us that we need to keep a close and tight eye on these people and rules and regulations are the way to get it done. Well, that's what, that's how you have to govern people with no faith. When you have no faith, you need more rules and regulation and close supervision. Why was it that those people turned aside so quickly from what Moses taught them when he was up on the mountain? Hebrews three said, the word they heard was not united with in faith in the hearts of those that believed. That's about Hebrews 3.13 or so. They didn't receive the word with faith, and so they didn't follow it. Now, what should always be true of any congregation of the Lord's people? That they are people of faith. They are seeking to be justified by faith. That they are those who are submitting willingly to God. They are those of Romans 6 and verse 2 who have died to sin. And when you have Christians who have died to sin 
and uh, put on the heart of Christ, where Christ, as we'll get down here to verse 20, where Christ lives in them. How many rules and regulations do they need to keep themselves straight? You don't need a lot, do you? Because why? You have people following the great commandments of loving God and loving their neighbor and asking, how now do we live in the right way in faith and how do we apply the heart of Christ to our life? When you have those kind of people set free from law and set free from sin and Christ living in their hearts, are we going to find rampant sin? No, we will not. But these Judaizers did not trust that. These Judaizers said, we need law and we need regulation. Having no confidence in the faith of their brethren, they said, somebody's got to watch over these people. And by the way, guess who volunteered to do it? They did. And said, let's impose these rules and regulations on them coming from the law. And Paul said, no, the great transgression would be to go back to that which I have uh, uh, gone against. Verse 18, for if I build, rebuild what I once destroyed. So if I go back to this Judaism, and, and I, which I am basically he's saying I'm destroying, and there's a sense in which that's so, it's sort of uh, easy to be misunderstood. I'm sure the Judaizers hated that kind of phrase, but Jesus had once said, I'll destroy the temple and raise it up, or you destroy the temple, I'll raise it up. Uh, uh, Stephen was accused of preaching constantly against Moses and against the temple. And so there is a against the law or even something of a destroying of the law inherent in the Christian message. But Paul says, I'm not going back to that. I'm working against that so I can proclaim Christ. Like Jesus had said in Luke 9, 62, he said, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Paul said, I'm not looking back. So what I want you guys to know is I am dead to the law, but I am dead to the law, not so that I can just do whatever I want. I am dead to the law so that Christ can live properly in me. It's kind of today we have sort of the same uh, initial reaction uh, when we tell people, they ask us, hey, do you believe in the Ten Commandments? And I say, no, we're not under the Ten Commandments. What's the first thing they say? Oh, you mean you can murder? You can steal? You can have other gods? No, I can't have any of that. But I'm not under the Ten Commandments. Yeah, but the Ten Commandments said don't murder. So That's right. But so does a lot of other places in the book of God. But I don't follow the Ten Commandments as the Ten Commandments. Uh, they're a great summary of, of the moral teaching of God. But as such, we don't follow them. But people say, you don't follow the Ten Commandments? No, I follow Christ. And this is what Paul's going to say. Verse 19, for through the law, I died to the law that I might live to Christ. He said, it's the law that taught me this because the law did its job to bring me to Christ. Uh, Jesus said, if you believe Moses, you'd believe me. So Paul says, Moses, you know, Moses is the one who helps us get here. Uh, John 5, 39, you search the scriptures because you think in them you have life. It's these scriptures that bear witness to me. 
it's, it's the law that led me to this. Just nearly everything we preach in the gospel, we can actually find pieces and snippets of in the law <laughs> and in the prophets. And so our great theme, the just shall live by faith. Habakkuk is the first one that said it. That uh, listening to Jesus, uh, Moses is the first one that said it. There'll be a prophet like me that comes among the people. Listen to him and all the things which were of the law. And so Paul says, it was through the law, I died to the law. And so the law brought him to Christ. That was the point of the law, as Paul will get to later in this book, the schoolmaster, to bring us to Christ. Or as Paul would tell Timothy, from childhood you've known the sacred writings that are able to give you wisdom that leads to the salvation through faith, which is in Christ. And so the Old Testament itself, when we listen to it, use it right, leads us to Christ. And so by the law, I died to the law. The law told of its own demise. The law told of the Savior coming after it and beyond it. The law told of Christ. And so Paul says, I went where the law led. So now, having listened to those prophecies, having listened to that teaching, having been instructed by what the hope that the prophets had, he said, I've now been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I've been crucified with Christ. Of course, this is a spiritual thing, but it's a change of will. It's the change of heart. It's, it's giving one's heart fully to the leadership of Christ, doing as Peter would say, sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Or as Paul would explain about baptism in Romans 6, those of us like himself who've been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death. And he says, verse 4, Therefore, having been buried with him through baptism into death, in order that as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Having been united with him in the likeness of death, will certainly also be in the likeness of the resurrection. So the old self was crucified, that our body of sin might be done away, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who died is free from sin. Now that we've died with Christ, we believe that he'll also live with him. So in that passage of Romans 6, we are put in the grave. We talk about the watery grave of baptism because we died. We put the dead in the grave. It's a tragedy and a travesty to put the living in the grave. I think that's probably against the law, speaking of law. Wouldn't it be illegal to bury the live? Who do we bury? We bury the dead, and they buried Christ. What happened with Christ? By the power of God, he's raised from the dead. What happens to us at baptism? By the power of God, we're spiritually raised. So we bury the spiritual dead, and we're raised to spiritual life. And so we have died with Christ. Here, Paul says in Galatians, we have been crucified with Christ. And so we should think about that crucifixion for us. Uh, we should identify so closely to, to, with that that we think about that was done for me, and so that was done with me. And so now, as Christ gave his life for mine, I can't live my life for mine anymore. I have to live my life for his. So it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So Christ should live in us. That faith should be a living 
and an active faith. And when it comes to sin, what do we do? Well, we resist, not because there's a raft of laws saying we ought to, not because there's a book full of regulations saying we have to, but instead, we with the heart of Christ, Romans 13, 14, put on Jesus the Lord, making no provision with the flesh in regard to its lust. Why don't we make provision for the flesh? Because we can't get away with it? No, we probably get away with it quite a bit in this life. How many people do get away with providing for the flesh in this life? No, we can't do it because morally it's contrary to our new dedication. It's contrary to the heart and to the faith that we've added in Christ. So since we put on Christ, we make no provision for the flesh. Colossians chapter 3. If then you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things on earth. For you've died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. We've died. We've died to sin. As Christ died for us, in him we die to sin. As Christ was raised again to an everlasting life, we're raised to a life that we can have eternally. He did this out of love. Christ, who says, I live by faith in the, uh, I live now in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. So he acted out of love for us. We now have him having delivered us from sin. We live in love for him. And so when people follow Christ of love, when people follow Christ of faith, when people follow Christ because they have a heart turned to serve God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, how much law do you need to add to their life to keep them on the straight and narrow? To keep them in the way of God. That's not how they were ever kept in the way of God. And the people of the Old Testament who were faithful under the law, were, were they, were they uh, hewing near to the heart of God because they had the regulations? No. Well, their dedication to the regulations was part of their dedication to God for sure. But it was always a life, life of faith. It was always that which compelled them. It was a pleasing God. It was a dedication and faith to God. And so the Apostle Paul says, and this was our title, I do not nullify the grace of God. If I substituted this faith in Christ, this life of dedication, if I substituted in this life of faith, for law, I would nullify God's grace. Because I'd tell you, hey, you can make it if you keep with these regulations. It's never been about making it by keeping with these regulations. It's always been about making it because we have a heart that's turned to God. And on that basis, he doesn't count our sins against us. He doesn't count our trespasses against us because he's justified us by faith. Romans chapter 4, about verse 3 and verse 4, faith is counted as righteousness. And then quoting the Psalms, blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not take sin to account. And so it's a blessing. It's a grace that our sins are not held against us. It's not that we didn't have any. We certainly did, and we had to admit that. And it's not that we don't have any now. But it's the fact that we live by faith. 
and faith is counted as righteousness rather than a righteousness of law keeping, which says you're righteous as long as you keep all the laws. And who wants to try and be righteous by keeping all the laws? Even if we got uh, in this, you know, kind of a Judeo-Christian mixture, a mixture of the law and a mixture of grace in Christ, what if by uh, God's grace, uh, if you kept the right regulations, you got forgiven of all sin and you got your sin counter reset to zero, and boy, we need that, don't we? We need that sin counter reset. But what if you got your sins reset, your sin counter reset to zero, and then God says, "Okay, now walk in this these laws now, and as long as you do, you'll be okay. Go." Now, how long until you broke this new laws that were given? I don't know. That'd take very long, would it? Because of our continual straying, we were continually straying like sheep, but we've now returned to the shepherd and guardian of our soul. And so, yeah, there, there's a straying. Uh, there's, there's sin in the lives of Christians, even those who live and walk by faith. We don't live in it. Uh, when we find it, we make the effort to get out of it, and we have the heart to repent again. Uh, we got here by repentance. We're going to stay here by repentance. We got here by humility and dependence on Christ. We're going to stay here by humility and dependence on Christ. But just imagine if we just got uh, what these Judaizers sort of envisioned, which was, uh, you know, we got, we got a Christ reset back to zero in our law breaking, but now we're going to stay here by staying at zero, by staying inside law. That, that'd be kind of scary, wouldn't it? I think it would be if we thought about that and what a moral travesty that would end up being for us. So no, Paul says, I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, Christ died needlessly. So if you could get it, if you could get righteousness without Christ, somebody would have done it. But what did it again say back in Hebrews? The law made nothing perfect. We need Christ. And the experience of the Jews, the people of God, for uh, one and a half millennia, the people, the experience of God's people for fifteen hundred years was what was summed up by Peter in Acts 15.10. The law, as good and gracious and kind and enlightened as it was, Peter said it was a yoke that neither we nor our forefathers were able to bear. And if we decided we'd go back to a law system today, I think we'd find it exactly the same. What is salvation? It is justification by faith in Christ. That faith is trust. That faith is an obedient faith because the just shall live by faith. But it is a counting of, of, of uh, justification, accounting a as innocent of sin because we trust and follow in Christ, not that we keep the law. And I don't know how more uh, different and varied ways in this section Paul could say that. Now, in chapter 3, he's going to go on to explain to them how this doctrine of justification works. And uh, it'll be a short version uh, in uh, two chapters, two and a half chapters, of what the book of Romans does in 16 chapters. And so it'll be the same topic, the same line of arguments, the same truths as in the book of Romans. A little bit different illustrations and sometimes a little different Old Testament passages in a few places. But it will be in two and a half chapters what Romans is in 16 chapters. 
And so the great theme of justification by faith will be laid out again in the coming verses. But for tonight, we don't nullify God's grace. Instead, we're crucified with Christ and we live by faith in him. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available at mulvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.